Welcome back, right here for the Raise the Apple podcast, brand new episode today. Not much going on with the Mets, things have been slow. Uh, the only really, only real Mets news is earlier today, Zach Scott has been named acting general manager amid the Jared Porter stuff. We all kind of knew that was coming. Uh, we all knew that Zach Scott was most likely going to get bumped up, but uh, and then him, Sandy, and... Steve Cohen will most likely make all the decisions. That's that's really all that's going on with the Mets. You know, not much is going on. Free agent talks are still looming. Uh, there is oh, the beat writers. Oh my gosh, the beat writers have stunk this off season. Now I give them credit. There's a reason that they're getting paid money to to break stories the way they do, and I'm sitting at home criticizing them, talking about it for free. But, you know, uh, who was it? Bob Nightingale of ESPN reported that the Mets had offered Trevor Bauer a contract that would give him the highest AAV ever from a pitcher. So highest annual average annual value per season in his contract. That record is currently held by Garrett Cole, whose nine-year deal with the Yankees he signed a couple years ago is worth $36 million a year. The rumor was... From Nightingale, that the Mets were closing in on giving him a deal that was going to top that $36 million. Then, literally 40 minutes later, Bob Nightingale releases another story saying, yeah, the Mets are in on Bauer, but it wouldn't be the highest AAV ever. It's just like, ugh. we already saw it happen before with them all saying Brantley was done, set, signed, sealed, delivered, Brantley was Michael Brantley was going to Toronto. And now, then he ended up staying in Houston. Like ugh, They've been struggling this offseason. But, you know, what can you do? There's a lot of moves happening. Before we get into the moves, we're going to talk about Cooperstown. But speaking of Cooperstown, we have some sad news in the baseball world. Horrible news. As if the baseball legends that have sadly passed away in the past few months wasn't enough. Uh, last week, in my opinion, the real home run king... Hank Aaron passed away at the age of 86. Awful, awful news for baseball. Hank Aaron, arguably the greatest player to ever step foot on a diamond. In my opinion, like I just said before, the real home run king. He had the re- broke the rich- Babe Ruth's record, hit his 715th, then ended up with 755 career homers. We all know Barry Bonds in 2007 broke that record at 756. And then, well, we all know the story with Barry. But an awful, awful thing. Uh, Based on what, obviously, I wish I could have seen him play. But based on the stories I've read from writers and former players that have met him and current players that have met him, you could not find a better guy on the planet than Hank Aaron in terms of caring about not only baseball, but caring about people. And just the word, the thing, and what he went through, I can only imagine what he went through. You know, he, you saw what Jackie Robinson went through. Hank Aaron went through just about the same thing because they did not want to see, people didn't want to see a black man break the home run record. You know, and things that Jackie Robinson went through were very similar to what Hank Aaron went through. He was receiving thousands of death threats a day. I mean, I can only imagine what. How it, he couldn't. I was reading he couldn't even go to his kids' high school graduation because he didn't want, you know, to give his kids a target or anything like that on his back. 
just awful news for, for baseball. But in lighter, lighter news with Cooperstown, last night was the Hall of Fame announcement. Uh, Larry Walker and Derek Jeter were last year's class, but because... Oh, I just dropped my marker. Because of COVID, their induction is scheduled to be this summer with this year's class, which turns out there isn't a class for this year. Uh, no one received the required 75% voting amount to get into Cooperstown. The closest was Kurt Schilling, who finished with, I believe, the number was 70%. He was 16 votes shy of getting in. That followed Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were both over 60%, and then everyone else was kind of there. But the big news wasn't so much that no one made it in, but was the aftermath. Kurt Schilling next year, along with Barry Bonds, will be his final year on the ballot. And Kurt Schilling has written a formal letter to Cooperstown requesting that he be removed from the ballot for his final year. And he will let the Veterans Committee decide if he should be in Cooperstown. Now, the pro then this morning, the Baseball Writers Association wrote a letter to Cooperstown asking them to reject Schilling's claim, Schilling's request to be taken off the ballot. Now, why does Schilling want to be taken off the ballot? Kurt Schilling is very, very vocal about his political beliefs on social media. And he has every right to be. Whether you agree with his political beliefs or not, he has every right to say how he feels. Then what the, the thing with him is Kurt Schilling believes, and there is... Oh, I keep dropping stuff. Sorry about that. Kurt Schilling believes that they're dragging his name through the mud, which I have seen, and they are. You know, their whole the he the thing is that they're holding it his political beliefs against him, because when they vote, when the writers vote for Hall of Famers, one of the things they're supposed to take in is character, and they do not like his character, especially in current political times. I guess they just feel like that doesn't warrant a vote. I mean, his numbers, in my opinion, his numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. But he is being held out of the Hall of Fame essentially because of his uh, actions on social media, you know. And they're very controversial, just like Trevor Bauer. Everyone's got mixed feelings on Trevor Bauer's social media. But in my opinion, the, what they did on the field, yes, character matters, but, I mean, I also could have missed something. You know, apparently he left on bad terms with the Red Sox, but they've made amends. There must have been something bigger that happened that I do not know that I'm going to have to look more into as to why everyone has such a beef with Kurt Schilling. Because if you are a voter and you are saying, oh, you voted for Donald Trump or, oh, you voted for Joe Biden, I'm not going to vote for you for the Hall of Fame, you do not deserve to have a vote. Period. If you are going to hold, no matter which side of the political aisle they are, they are on, not to get political, this is as far as I'm going to go, no matter what side they're on, if you hold their political belief against them and do not vote them into Cooperstown because of their political belief, you do not deserve a vote. And also, in my opinion, the people who do not deserve a vote are the ones who submit blank ballots. Because, it, to me, that would be, if I ever got to the point in my life where I could vote for the Hall of Fame, that would be the greatest honor of my lifetime. 
would be to vote for the people who get enshrined into baseball immortality. Half of 1% of every single guy that steps foot on the diamond, 0.5% of them make it to Cooperstown. That is not something to be taken lightly. And the peop- and there's people that vote- submit blank ballots because they're trying to prove a point. You know, they don't like Schilling because of his character and his character on social media. They don't like Barry Bonds because of his character and Sammy Sosa and Roger Clemens because of their character with the alleged steroid use. This isn't a time to make a point. You are trying to vote. Well, it is and it isn't. You're voting on who you're. It's a museum. Cooperstown's a museum of the greatest people we've ever seen play our sport. You know, if you're trying, I don't, it, uh, I could go on forever, but I'm trying not to go on forever. But I just think it's like, it's like if you're voting for a political, it's just like you're voting for someone for political office, but then you don't vote, but then you complain about the results. Well, you didn't vote. You don't, you don't deserve to complain about the results. It's similar with this. If you don't vote, you your opinion on all of it should be irrelevant. If you're not going to, you know, make your vote. And now a lot of people say for the sake of the counter argument, people will say, "Well, no vote is a vote because they're trying to establish that they want people that played the game the right way, that are good people at heart in the Hall of Fame." And that's understandable. But I just feel I there was plenty of guys on the ballot this year that were never in trouble for PEDs, that never were, had negative attention in the media, like guys like Michael Kadire, plenty of those guys in the on the ballot this year that didn't receive barely any votes. You know, like you look at some of these guys and you're like, huh, they should get more votes. But no, I mean, it's... Uh, again, I could go on forever, but I'm not going to because it's not really my place to rant. Uh, I obviously don't know the full story on these guys. You know, I do. I on each player. You know, the the Kurt Schillings, the Barry Bonds, the Jeff Kents, the Michael Kadires, all the guys that were on the ballot. I don't know the full story. That's why I don't have a vote. I think it's ridiculous to to submit a blank ballot. I do not think you should have a vote if you're going to submit a blank ballot, and I do not think that holding someone's political beliefs against them should warrant that should be held against them no matter what side they're on I'm not going to make it seem like I'm towards one side if Kurt Schilling was a Democrat and vote was a big Joe Biden guy and he was very vocal about that and people didn't vote for him because of that that's just as wrong you know it's not one-sided it's one it's both I just want to make that clear but at the end of the day We'll see how that unfolds with Kurt Schilling's request. Uh, he made he released a big statement on Facebook, and I read all of it. And uh, he said he would only speak to the guys at MLB Network, and that's pretty much it. But it stinks that we won't have a Hall of Fame class for 2021, but we will have an induction this summer. Derek Jeter and Larry Walker and a couple others will be inducted, and all will be good. Now, besides all that, the rest of today's episode is going to be the hot stove. The hot stove is buzzing this week. Uh, the hot It was a very busy day for free agents, uh, including two trades. 
I'm reading my notes right now. I just want to make sure I said that right. Yep, two trades. The rest were free agent signings. First of which, we're going to start in Boston. Uh, Kike Hernandez signed a two-year deal with the Red Sox, worth a reported $14 million. Sucky move, or sucky loss for dot the Dodgers. Great get for the Red Sox. Uh, Kike, as we've seen on social media and on the field, one of the most, one of the best personalities in baseball. He's also hasn't been too. Sh- he's not a you know a slouch up there. He he's a great fit for Boston. I think he'll fit in perfectly. Uh, he'll contribute from an offensive standpoint. And his personality is obviously one you just can't ignore. It's fantastic. Uh, but also in Boston, there was a rare, rare trade between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Last time the Yankees and Re- Red Sox made a trade, I don't even know when. It had to have been at least a dozen years ago. But the Red Sox acquired Adam Adovino from the Yankees in exchange for cash or player to be named later. This was essentially a salary dump for the Yankees, but a strong bullpen arm to go with Matt Barnes in the back end of the Red Sox bullpen. That was a great gift for them. If you ever watch Adovino pitch, Mingyo, when he throws breaking balls, it looks like he's throwing wiffle balls the way they move. It's ridiculous. He had kind of a disappointing 2020 season, but he has shown his effectiveness I think he'll be great in the back of the Red Sox bullpen with Matt Barnes and then with the addition of Kike he'll primarily get most of the time at second base the Red Sox I don't really I I don't I I just lost my train of thought for a second they will compete but won't compete I think they'll be around 500 I'll do a prediction video as we get or podcast as we get closer to spring training I think the Red Sox will be a 500 team this year at best, maybe a couple game, maybe a few games under, uh, but they'll definitely make things a lot more interesting than I think people get them credit for. You know, you got bringing Kike, you got Bogarts and Devers on the left side of the infield, one of the best left sides of the infield in baseball. You got Ben Attendee still there, Justingers, JD Martinez still there. You bring in Adovino in the bullpen. I mean, Chris Sale will be coming back soon. Things will turn around. The Red Sox won't be gone for long, in my opinion. It'll still be a couple years before they're World Series contenders again, but they it, they won't be gone. They won't be gone for long. The next move also involved the Yankees again. We'll stick with the Yankees. They made a trade to acquire Jamison Tyone from the Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange for some prospects. Hats off to the Pirates. Trading Josh Bell, trading Jamison Tyone. They have picked up, and and trading Joe Musgrove, they have picked up 14 prospects in the last 31 days, and even if three or four of them pan out to be studs, or pan out to be really good big league ball players, even if it's only three or four of them, that's a great that's a great great move for the Pirates. That was a terrific get if they can get just even three or four of those guys to turn into something. For what you know, but Tyone to the Yankees that the Yankees rotation now will consist of Garrett Cole, uh, Luis Severino when he comes back from Tommy John, which we don't know yet what that'll be. Pro- we're looking at May or June, probably around the same time Noah Syndergaard comes back. Then you also will have Kluber, you'll have Tyone, 
And then you also will have either, you know, guys like Debbie Garcia, Clark Schmidt, Jordan Montgomery could fill in there. They could bring back uh, Masahiro Tanaka, but that's not looking good. It looks like Tanaka might be heading back to Japan from the rumors that I've been seeing. But the Yankees' rotation won't be awful. It'll be significantly better than last year. It won't be Garrett Cole and then just you're hanging on for dear life for four days until Garrett Cole's up again. They actually can have a solid rotation. Tyone potentially can be a top end of the rotation guy. You know, he missed some time. He had this. He missed some time with his second Tommy John. He also had personal issues with cancer that he had to overcome. So we haven't seen a lot of Tyone, but when he has, he has shown glimpses where he can be that top of the rotation guy. And I would be super excited if I'm the Yankees. Your rotation is slow. Is not an embarrassment anymore. Props to you, Yankees fans. Golf clap for you. Uh, next, we're going to head. I just have a lot of free agent stuff I want, we got to get through. Next, we're going to head to D.C., our nation's capital. Ryan Zimmerman is back on a one-year deal with the Nationals. And that was kind of a gimme. You know, well, we didn't know if Ryan Zimmerman was done because he sat out in 2020 because of COVID concerns with his family. Now he's back this year. He wanted to come back, but Mr. he's Mr. National. First... Nationals draft pick back in 2005, I want to say, when they moved from Montreal to D.C. Uh, it's I'm interested to see where they play him, though, especially with the universal D.H. most likely not happening. Uh, and you're going to have Josh Bell at first. So I'm wondering what they're going to do with Zimmerman. Zimmerman will primarily probably be off the bench then. But I guess, you know, I guess we'll see. I'm interested to see what they do with that. Uh, but Zimmerman coming back was, I thought, kind of a given. You know, he's been the face of your franchise for the last however many years. It's It would be silly not to bring him back. You know, he doesn't have much time left. He's like what David Wright was to the Mets, that's Ryan Zimmerman to the Nationals, at least in my opinion. That's how I see it. It was like, it was like the Nationals bringing back David Wright. It was kind of, it was just a gimme. You know, and uh, speaking of the Mets and Nationals, Mets fans won't be too happy at this. Brad Hand heading to D.C. Brad Hand was hot on the Mets' radar. Everyone thought he was coming to the Mets. It was said he's he's pretty much done deal with the Mets. And then somehow that fell through. Another example of the beat writers botching it. But Brad Hand is going to D.C. He'll be great in the back of that bullpen with Doolittle. Um, but if you're the Mets fans... Mets fans, stop being upset on losing out on Springer and now Brad Hand. Stop. We got new ownership, a new front office. We got a new catcher. We got a new bullpen arm in Trevor May. We got a new starter in Cookie Carrasco. Stroman's coming back. We got the best shortstop in baseball on our team now. It's okay. If we miss out on Springer, it's okay if we miss out on Brad Hand. We're still in on Trevor Bauer. We're still in on guys like uh, Jake Odorizzi. We're still in on guys like JBJ. The Mets are not done this offseason, and even if they are done, this was a very, very successful offseason for the Mets. Mets fans have no reason to be upset as to whatever happened. Even if they miss out on Bauer... It's okay. And by the way, speaking of Bauer, for Mets fans that don't want Bauer because he's he likes to talk on social media, get, give me a break. 
the guy, you want that guy on your team. I don't see how the way we've seen him at his best, especially last year and in years previous when he was at his best, I don't see how you guys don't want Trevor Bauer on your team. He's got the personality perfect for New York. But, you know, I die at rest. It's just, I think I think Trevor Bauer would be perfectly fit. His social media doesn't bother me. But, again, that just might be a me thing. We'll stay in the AL East. Excuse me, NL East. I should have done the AL East altogether. NL East, finally. JT Realmuto is staying in Philly. We all kind of knew it was happening when the Mets signed James McCann. We kind of knew, okay, JT's staying in Philly. But it was a question of what was this contract going to be because uh, the Phillies are basically broke at this point. Five years, $115.5 million. If you're the Phillies, you had you had one job this offseason. Keep JT Realmuto. That's all you had to do. That's all you had to do. Then they also brought in Archie Bradley earlier this offseason. They're uh, they're in on bringing Didi back, uh, Didi Gregorius back, play short. It was no excuse for the Phillies if they could not bring back JT Realmuto at any stretch, no matter what the deal was, whether it was a one-year deal, a ten-year deal, whatever it was. So this was a great keep for. The Phillies, he is the third catcher ever to sign a free agent contract, over $100 million. The other two being Joe Maurer, who did it with the Twins back in 2010, and Buster Posey, who did it with the Giants back in 2013. The NL East is going to be super, super fun to watch. I would argue the NL East is the best division in baseball in 2020, or excuse me, 2021, that is going to four of the five teams in there are going to be head to head all year. You still give the slight advantage to the Braves. I think if the Mets get JBJ or Trevor Bauer, they could be right there with Atlanta. But wow, that division is going to be so much fun to watch. I cannot wait. Now we're going to switch gears from the NL East to the AL East. I should have done this earlier. Marcus Simeon is heading to the Blue Jays. Oakland is getting kicked in the nuts from all angles. First they lose Liam Hendricks. Then they lose uh, Tommy LaStella, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Now they've lost Marcus Simeon, who finished third in the MVP voting in 2019. Had a little bit of a down year last year, but that is a huge, huge get for the Blue Jays. That Blue Jays lineup is looking scary. Going to have Danny Jansen at first, Rowdy Talese most likely at first, uh, Biggio at second, Bo Bichette at short. Most likely Simeon will play third, and that would make Vlad Jr. DH. Or maybe they have Vlad Jr. play first and Rowdy Talese DH. Outfield options, you got Gritchick, you got Springer now, you got Teoscar Hernandez, Loris Gurriel. There's going to be a lot of homers from that Blue Jays team. And a lot of far ones. Oh, my goodness. It's nice to see the Blue Jays. Blue Jays owners are one of the richest owners in all of sports. So it's nice to finally see the Blue Jays make some big splashes. They first brought in Springer. Now they're bringing in Marcus Simeon. These are two great moves. And they are very well much in contention for an AL, the AL East. I still think, like I said last time, they need some help in pitching. You know, they have brought in Kirby Yates. To sure up the closer role. Their bullpen was kind of eh last year. I still think they need another ace with Ryu. 
you know, maybe a Bauer, maybe they go get Jake Odorizzi, or they go get uh, Tanaka. They just they need another or James Paxton. They need another starter in there. There's a, in my the the Blue Jays just need another starter. If they're in a three game, if they're in a five game series, they got Ryu, uh, Matt Shoemaker is an option. Robbie Ray is an option. Trent Thornton, Nate Pearson, the the promising rookie. I think they need another guy in there for to go with to pair with Ryu, and I think the Blue Jays are very much right there in the AL East race. Uh, the next next move we got. Jerks and Profar signed a three-year deal with the Padres worth $21 million. Same AAV as Kike Hernandez's deal, except he gets three years. Kike only got two years. Profar, a lot like Kike, is a utility guy. can play all over the place. That'll be very beneficial to the Padres that he could play all over the place. And overall, another great move for the Padres. The Padres, the Mets... The White Sox, the Blue Jays have all had great, great off seasons. I'd argue probably the Mets and Blue Jays and Padres of those four, or Blue Jays definitely probably have had one of the better off seasons in the American League between the Mets and Padres in the National League. But though it's it's nice seeing teams. I keep saying it, but it's nice seeing teams that don't normally make moves or big moves start making those moves. It's just. It's awesome to see. It's great for baseball. And the last little bit to talk about today, Tommy LaStella is reportedly heading to the San Francisco Giants as utility guy, and Angelton Simmons, the former Angels shortstop, is heading to the Twins. They both signed in free agency. I think I misspoke last time and said Simmons was still there. I did not realize he was a free agent. That's my bad. But both of them, for the Twins, that's a great get with Simmons. Uh... Most likely will move Jorge Polanco to second. Luis Arise a super utility role. But Simmons, one of the best shortstop, defensive shortstops in baseball. He has been throughout his entire career. He's serviceable offensively. He's more known for his defense and his speed rather than his bat. I think he'll be great in Minnesota. I think he'll fit in perfectly there. Same thing with Listella. Uh, he was great in Oakland, great with the Angels. It's near impossible to strike him out. He just, he struck out just 12 times the entire 2020 season, and there was a stretch where he went like a couple few weeks in a row without being strike out or something like that. It's impossible to strike the guy out. So both of those were great, great moves. Uh, the they're probably they're one of those low risk, high reward moves. I think uh, the Twins have been kind of quiet this off season, so bringing in Simmons was nice to see. Uh, they all they did bring in Hap as well, but it was nice to bring in another defensive, some defensive help. And then the Giants, they filled in a hole. He can platoon with Donovan Solano at second. He could platoon with Evan Longoria at third. He's a nice left-handed bat in the top of their lineup. He gets on base like crazy. He doesn't strike out. Very much a low-risk, high-reward yet. Uh, that was a lot to talk about today. All the free agency moves. Uh, Mets land with... Uh, Zach Scott getting the promotion and Trevor Bauer news and then the Hall of Fame. I'm interested to see how that all unfolds with Kurt Schilling. It certainly will be something worth watching. But that will wrap it up for this week's episode of the Raise the Apple podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hope Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe to us on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Podcasts. I finally got that working. The link will be in the description on YouTube. 
for people to watch uh, with Android devices. They can listen on Google Podcasts. And that's pretty much it. Make sure you subscribe and let us know on Twitter or down below if there's anything else you want us to talk about. Next week, we'll talk more so about the Mets free agency news, any other hot stove action. Maybe we get an update on Chilling. Maybe. Maybe we get an update on Bauer. And then as we get closer to spring training, we'll talk about some predictions, some individual award predictions, team predictions, all that good stuff. So that's pretty much it for today. Uh, thanks for bearing with, with me with all the lot of updates today. And thanks for watching. Hope to see you next time. Let's go Mets.